episode of the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast for your school library, public library, whatever. Um, my name is Lucas Maxwell, and I am the librarian at Glenthorne High School in um, South London, UK. Uh, I've been there about 10 years now, and this podcast is just for anyone who wants to learn new ideas, or I just share things that don't work, things that don't work. Um, but try to just keep it uh, positive and quick. Nothing is really over 25 minutes. Um, so hopefully this is useful to you. Um, what I want to talk about today is um, creating, uh, again, um, uh, I don't really shut up about um, Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's one of the it's been a huge lifesaver for me and it's something I've employed into the school, uh, worked into the school kind of um, the veins of the school, to be honest. And, um, what am I going to say? I'm just, today I want to talk about how to make a cool start to, to get your players hooked. Um, in my experience, a lot of students, new students, especially like the youngest we have are year seven. So they're 11 years old. They, don't really maybe understand the dynamics of it and what I try to put a, put right straight away is that this is not a player versus player um, situation this is a situation where you're gonna be working together and I don't allow any piling on attacking each other unless it calls for in the story so I don't allow any of that stuff because all it does is um, create uh and you know animosity um between um the players and creates problems so first thing you should do is lay out those ground rules you should also have a set of like safety tools which i might do a whole podcast on um safety tools really for for kids um because it's extremely important and i think you should look that up before you even start um if you're going to run a dnd campaign in your school library. Uh, so this is a little series of podcasts I'm doing on school library D&D stuff. This one is about a great start, okay? So even if you've got a pre-written campaign, which I do recommend, um, you still need to incorporate your own material in there. The biggest thing is that as a dun- if you are going to be the dungeon master or if you're helping someone become a dungeon master, the biggest thing to remember is that you you shouldn't plan too much. It's their story. You should let them write the story, okay? Um, hopefully that makes sense. So you can be become quite nervous. It's very natural to be nervous about it. I get nervous still running things when I'm running for adults especially because I don't know... Um, what's going to happen and half the time. So it's, uh, it's hard, um, sometimes, um, to work it out. But when you're working in a school setting, um, you are creating maybe an hour long little sessions, which are very, very short. Um, you need to get everybody there and on board and working on, you know, together on what's, what's happening. So how do you get them into it? and engage without being uh, bored. That was my biggest fear. I didn't want them to be bored. Um, 
So I do write a lot about D&D. I have my own book on it that's out by Facet Publishing, Shameless Self-Promo. Um, it's called Let's Roll. And, you know, you could, the links are there if you, in the in the notes if you want to check that out. It's all about helping you set up your own D&D kind of session. Um, so creating your own kind of scenario or starting, I'm thinking about like a good uh, start can be intimidating, but it is um, a great way to in- introduce um, students to the game and introduce um, the players to each other, especially if they don't know each other or if they're nervous. Because you know what? They might be nervous as well. Okay? So what do we do? One possible way is I like to start with a bang. And what I mean by that is... Um, start with early combat so level one they're going to be quite what they say squishy which means they're going to <laughs> they could die really easily but in my experience a great D campaign you know stems from early combat scenario um and there's a few reasons for it so most players especially the young ones they love combat um you should get to know your players um how you know what they prefer do they prefer combat or do they prefer more role playing or exploration or you know mystery solving etc but in my experience the younger ones they love combat so start them off really quickly get something weird that happens where they get attacked immediately um so if you thrust them straight into to combat um what a few things will happen okay um okay first of all if you if you start them off in combat and they're level one so let's say like a scenario that i've used before which i like is that they start in inn, which is very cliche um but what you can do is get them to start at the inn, introduce themselves if they as they come in okay what do they look like if they want to get them go around in a in an in an order just go clockwise around the table what's your name what do you look like? What, you know, you don't need to say I'm a fighter or a bard. They might want to keep that secret. They don't need to like reveal all their character secrets. But they should have made. They should have been spending some time in the library prior to this or wherever, making their characters. Um, so they come in. They introduce themselves. Uh, this gives them a chance to go around the table and have a little chance to speak. If they don't want to speak, they don't have to speak. Okay, um, they don't have to do anything they don't want to do, but. It, to me, it's a great way to say, like, do you want to introduce your character? And if you don't want to, you don't have to. And um, how did you guys meet? Are you guys together? Are you here separately at the bar, at the at the inn? you, <laughs> you got to be careful with taverns and all that stuff, of course. Um, it's very easily, I very easily jump over all that stuff. There, there are inns where they stay and they get information, but um, just, there's no alcohol. Um, <laughs> um, nothing like that at all. Um they what do the my players they they like to say that they have um spicy capri sun which i think is code for something <laughs> um i let them drink capri sun from the from the inn um anyway they they get to introduce themselves they can maybe order some food they want to i want them to realize that this is like they can yes they can do what they want they can run around but if they just start fighting people immediately for, out of out of the blue, they're going to get themselves into trouble. So you kind of make that clear that there are some, uh, maybe there's some guards watching over them um, and things like that. Uh, but again, you got to give them the freedom um, to do things. Now, what I like, you know, a scenario 
could be that maybe a troll bursts through the door, okay, and starts attacking people. Um, this is, um, you know, a scary situation. Troll can can easily kill an entire party of level one players. So what can happen is that maybe the barkeep um, is a retired adventurer. Maybe there are some semi-retired NPCs. Um, have them help. So what you can do is. Just to get things straight right off the bat, you can get them to roll initiative. Okay, so they roll a d20, 20-sided dice, and they add their initiative bonus, which is their dexterity bonus. Okay, um, I, it's hard to do a podcast on creating a character, but um, anyway, you they roll that number, they add their dex bonus if they have a bonus, and you write that number down, and then they just you just go highest to lowest. You should pre-roll your NPCs and pre-roll your monster. Um, when the, I would say don't kill any of the characters <laughs> because they're level one. They can go to zero hit points and be in danger. But this is a great way for them to, so it bursts through the door almost immediately. Okay, um, it's a great way to introduce them to combat, which they will love. Right, um, have them save the day. Okay, and that will be a huge kind of like victory for them, and they can. Um, they can save the day in the in the in the end as people flee. Maybe the troll does unfortunately kill a few people, or maybe just destroys the um, the furniture and is just going absolutely insane. Um, you know, throwing things around and whatever you want to do. So um, their combat is finished. The proprietor of the inn gives them free room and board and a meal as a thank you. Uh, maybe they give maybe some very. Um, you know, grateful person gives them 10 gold or something like that. Um, very low amount. Don't give them too much money at the start because it will get to their heads. <laughs> um, so start that way. Okay. Then maybe there's um, a catch. And what the catch can be is that maybe when they're like dragging the dead troll out of the inn, cleaning up. One of them can roll a perception, and whoever gets the highest number on their perception check can notice something about the troll. Maybe the troll has like a tattoo or a mark behind its ear, and that mark is exactly the same as one that one of them would have noticed scratched into the door of the inn. And you as the dungeon master can do whatever you want with that. Maybe that mark is the mark of like, mysterious cult or a mysterious group that's been roaming the city leaving these weird marks carved into the door and if they investigate that that can lead them down a path where they're they're asking about this mark i wouldn't say every what you can do is that not every single person that they meet has to be crucial to the plot there can be tons of red herrings but they, you know, they could go to a shop and go, hey, did you hear about this mark? What do you think of this? And the guy could be like, or girl could be, I don't know. So, but eventually they might uncover a few things about this mark. Maybe it leads them um, to the house of a, of a kind of a recluse. And that guy is in his basement. A, <laughs> I'm literally making this up the top of my head. Maybe he has a laboratory downstairs where he's created like a, some sort of gate or teleportation circle. And maybe he's working for someone else in a larger town. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> and hopefully um, that, but you can see how you can drop these little breadcrumbs in. So they've had a fight. Yeah, the fight, but it didn't just go, um, you know, 
bang, 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 done, there was like a, there's like an extra thread to it. Oh, they noticed something strange. Um, and when you're in, as a side note, when you're in combat, to, to me, to make combat more interesting, instead of saying, it's your turn now, it's the patrol's turn, yep, you hit. A, let them describe how they kill the monster. They will love that if they fit, if they deliver the finishing strike. Ask them, how do you want to kill this thing? How do you do it? But also incorporate the the surrounding area. So they're in an inn. There are people, like every time it's someone else's turn, you can describe. So if you think of like, let's say there's four players, right? And there's one monster and let's say three NPCs, non-player characters that are in the round of fighting. When that last person, so from top to bottom, when the first person, by the time the first person has had their turn and the last person has had their turn, that's around six seconds of D&D time. It may take 15, 20 minutes in real life, um, but it's only about six seconds. But six seconds in a panic of a fight, can a lot can happen. So maybe the maybe the troll has smashed a... So I'll give you an example. This is not a troll example, but... Um, with our my amazing friends that I play with, and the adult friends, um, one of their first sessions, they went to like a seance, and a ghost came out and attacked them. And I described the room. It was like this. It was a study of a um, of a man who owned um, an inn. He had like a side room. It was like nice bookshelves, mahogany. There was a table with a with a globe um, and uh, like a telescope or something. And the players used those items. Um, one of the players picked up the globe and smashed it over the guy's head to see to, like he was in a trance and the ghost was coming out and he she thought that maybe um, that would stop what was happening. One of them used a table leg and threw it at the ghost out of panic. Um, incorporate the furniture and things that happen so make it just realistic. Like you, and if they roll like a natural one on a on a swing on a sword or a you know um, a, a spell attack you can make it do something disastrous maybe it blows the windows out of the inn or maybe it destroys some of the like a uh like a uh, i don't know like a, a boar's head that the guy had mounted above the the, <laughs> the the hearth or something like that it falls into the fire he screams you know it's like some sort of heirloom they will enjoy in my experience they will they will appreciate that kind of kind of attention to detail, which you can just literally make up at the top of your head. Um, but it just makes it more fun. But that's a good way to start. Um, the other way to start, which is a lot of fun, there's an amazing D&D, it's free. And if you just Google D&D Wild Sheep Chase, I believe that's what it's called. Yeah. You can, um, it's another great way to start. And I really love this way. It's a free um PDF adventure and it does not take very long and the the concept is very simple the players are together at the beginning they're resting on a hill or like grassy knoll or park or something like that and a sheep runs at them and has a scroll in its um, mouth Um, and as the sheep kind of runs around them in a panic drops the scroll if one of the players picks up the scroll which i assume they will it's a scroll of um speak with animals it allows them to communicate with the with the sheep and, t- and the sheep tells them that they are actually they're a wizard who's been polymorphed so turned into a sheep um by uh, an evil wizard who's who's kind of like um taken over his his residence and this evil wizard has like an i think an orc thug who bodyguard who comes after them 
Um, they can kind of deceive this orc on their way. You can do almost the whole thing with very much with very little combat. It kind of ends with a really funny climactic thing where the evil wizard turns the the good wizard's bed into a flying creature, and the bed can like <laughs> attack them. Um, there is like an outhouse with a with like a bugbear I think in it. And there's a lot of like funny. It's a very funny one, um, and it's quick. But that kind of like plea for help is a very good way to start a D and D adventure as well. Of course, um, I would really, really recommend that one. Wild Sheep Chase is another one about. Um, it's called I think it's called Grammy's Country Apple Pie, and it's literally about a guy who longs for his grandmother's uh, apple pie recipe. He's lost it, uh, and it's in like a ruined house. There are some there are some like apple pie type monsters. This is like a I think they fight like a garbage pile, like a shambling mound of um, of rough uh, refuse, <laughs> and they go and seek out this recipe for this wizard who will give them like um, apple. Maybe you can do whatever you want as a DM. You can make it an apple pie um like magic with magical properties right um so that the plea for help that's a really good way what you need to do is give them something to motivate them right off the bat so like them sitting there and like this sheep kind of runs into them um is a great way like to to just to get them oh we need to you know help them if they decide not to you can move on with something else but um the plea for help is good another one that i really really enjoy is the ticking clock i think there has to be a ticking clock element they have to know that if they don't do something there's going to be drastic kind of consequences um so a great example is that from a from a pre-written campaign is one that I love called the Tomb of Annihilation, which if you do run for younger students, you need to really alter. There's some seriously dark uh, stuff in there. And again, thinking of safety tools, you should remind them and tell them, look, there's going to be elements of this. There's going to be elements of getting lost. There's elements of... Um, in Tomb of Annihilation, there's everything. So you need to cut a lot out. Like I ran that, and I ran Curse of Strahd for teens. Even with Curse of Strahd, with like older teens, I still I still cut it down a bit because there's a lot of elements in there. Then you have to alter the Curse of Strahd because, unfortunately, as it was written in the early '80s, there's a lot of racist elements, and I just got rid of all that completely. Um, <laughs> of course, um, and with Tomb of Annihilation, the idea is that there's a curse on the land. And it's like a it's like a disease, and it's it's with withering people away. You can alter it however you want. Not only is it doing that, but we there's like a side thing where it's with like destroying the land as well. Um, but this idea that every time they went back to this one city, which is the only one city on this island, it's a jungle island. Every time they returned things got worse and worse and worse, and there were zombies attacks, and they realized, oh, we have to like focus on this because things are th- this it just made it visually um, apparent that they can't mess around um, and I think no matter what you do if you're like training a teen DM or you are the DM as the adult in the school library give them that kind of agency or give them their urgencies what I'm trying to say to work within now you don't need to do a lot of planning around it to be honest I'm thinking about going backtracking to the inn, right? You can ask them what is in the inn, and they can fill in the blanks for you. You can ask them what things look like, what what places look like. Um, 
that is one way you need to be prepared to improvise for lack of a better kind of term because it's that's how you have to be but if you um if you uh, if you put it on them they will tell you they'll fill it in they'll enjoy it's their story um you definitely should not be railroading you should not have an end goal in mind okay now with tomb of annihilation the end goal is that they fix the curse of course if they decided not to um that's absolutely their prerogative. They could get on a boat and leave that island, I suppose. Um, but the whole idea is that they're trying to fix the curse. And when you kind of like infect one of them with this curse, that also makes it a little bit more urgent. Um, another thing that we did was where um, one of our players, one of the adult players, um, again, to like a good way, and it's a good way to start, is that they, you know, this is a bit dark, but with kids, they will get into this stuff. Um, they find a, it could be anything. It could be a, like a, a, a skeleton. They find a skeleton on the ground as they're walking. Okay. Um, if they investigate it, whoever decides to investigate it, a ghost emerges, they have to roll a charisma saving throw. Okay. And if they fail, you can, you can just alter this as the dungeon master as much as you want. If they fail, they age, uh, a certain number of years you can roll 2d10 or 3d10 you know those are 10 sided dice they may age 20 years they may age 10 years or whatever they may age like six years but they're aging every 12 hours maybe roll a d8 or a d1 d10 and that's how much they, they're aging now not to be ageist or anything like that not saying being old is bad but it's clear that if they don't solve this they're going to wither away and die um and they have to do it fairly fast especially if they are a human who doesn't have that many years as like a dwarf or an elf um if it's an elf you have to kind of incorporate how old their character is um because elves can live for hundreds of years and all that stuff but our players um it was a tabaxi um i think there's like average like 80 years ref to human and they were already considered themselves 30. They aged 40 years at the beginning. I was aging them, aging them. Um, they were really worried about their characters, so they were getting old. And they um, had to... Um, the, the, oh, the only cure was a rare flower that was found on the side of a mountain, right? It was that sense of urgency, that ticking clock right at the beginning that um, you can incorporate that will give them like, oh, we have to like help, we have to solve. And they, they'll have fun like helping each other out that way, I, I find. So um, those are kind of like three ways to start with a bag. You've got your, your instant kind of combat, yeah, which is a lot of fun. Um, you've got your plea for help right at the beginning, okay, that sends them on the way. And you've got your um, your ticking clock, whatever you decide that to be. That can be, those are three nice ways that can you can um, start D&D off with a bang. And yeah, I hope that was uh, helpful for you. Um, uh, so what I'm going to do is like every week, I'm going to try to like just release another one, another podcast where there's more D&D &D tips for school librarians. So hopefully that's helpful and uh, take care. Thanks very much. <laughs>